Welcome to the Paidia Education Podcast. I'm Dr. Bernie Wilkinson. I'm Dr. Richard Marshall. And um, this promises to be an interesting day. <laughs> Man, what a week it's been. It has been, a, it has been quite a blur. week. It's been quite a blur. Yeah. It's Friday. I think we were sitting here a week ago saying, I can't believe where the week went. Now another <laughs> week has gone by. That's right. It, um, it is just flying, mm. flying by. So, um, but here we are. You know what? We, uh, we do what we do, and we do it as best we can. You know, it makes, uh, maybe next week I'll talk about Shabbos. You know, I keep threatening to talk about Shabbat. My uh-huh. Jewish friends have this wonderful tradition, which we'll talk about. But it's like, it's Friday, and this is the day that you're supposed to slow things down. And um, things aren't slowing down for us. No. They just keep accelerating. The weeks accelerate. The rate just keeps increasing. Yeah, you know, and it's it's hard to know how to interpret that. You know, that's on, on one hand it's it's good to to stay busy, to have things going on, to have things to do. Um, on the other hand, um, and the older you get, the faster time goes. There's a direct relationship between age well, and the time. Well, how quickly time goes by. Here's, here's how Watch I think the, about that. You got that smirk here's on your how I think face. About so that. I know where this is going. You know, um, like in movies and stuff, when they show somebody moving really fast and Those the world around people. them is uh, moving really slow, mm-hmm. I think about the opposite of that. Because as you get older, you move slower. So it feels like everything around you is moving so much faster. Maybe that's it. I don't know. Uh, to talk to my elderly friends. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so today's Friday. Yes. We're here talking about education. Education. But but more specifically, the title of this uh, podcast is on motivation. Motivation. Something we've talked about on our other podcasts a few times. Right. And um, we decided that we were not going to be we were not only going to be curmudgeons about education. There's much to be unhappy and dissatisfied about in public education today. Oh, I heard another one. Um, there's a great deal to be unhappy about. Um, this whole business of choice, I think, is, is going to be a problem eventually for everybody, except the winners. Um, but uh, discipline is becoming... Um, the, the cleanliness of our public schools, you know, the hygiene, right. the, the status of the restrooms. You know, there are, there are children who will not... There are students who refuse to use the bathrooms in their schools because they're dangerous and dirty. Um, um, teachers are becoming uh, more and more discouraged by the um, by the behavior of students I think more and, and more teachers are becoming scared yeah and and nobody seems especially to high doing, school right no and that's what I'm talking yeah at the high school level um, I think we've solved many of these problems at the elementary and even the middle school level uh, but but I think there are some middle schools that are starting to get out of control but um, high school teachers are, are writing to us and calling us and texting us about the um, status of their schools, the hygiene, yeah. the physical plant, the physical spaces that they work in, and also the danger factor that, yeah. that they're they're a little bit afraid of the, they're getting a little bit afraid of their students because they don't feel that they have the support from the administration to tackle some of these more serious behavior problems. Right. So um, that's something we're going to talk about, I think, in the coming weeks because I always complain about school choice. But a lot of people are saying, hey, what choice do we have? You know, we have to get our kids out of these dangerous schools. Right. So, and that, and that makes sense. And, that. and, you know, and, and it, it lends itself to some of the work we've been doing this past week, some of that, mm-hmm. some of that busyness we were referring to yeah. earlier, where we're working hard to, um, we're, we're writing a paper for our, our new um, model for that, for schools, right. Right. Um, and that we're hoping to send out for publication um, Today. You know, and it, and, it, and it, there's, there's a similar, uh, the model that we've developed um, is similar to um, this whole mental illness issue. You know, are, the men, are, are people with a mental illness dangerous? You know, right. Like, and so in our public schools, are the dangerous kids mentally ill or are they just kids right. who are misbehaving? And that's, uh, that's an issue that I think we need to tackle in uh, coming weeks. But so so while there's much to be concerned about in public education today, we don't only want to complain and we want to talk about things um, that parents and teachers can use um, within the system as it currently exists. And one of those things is motivation. So we're going to talk about motivation today. Right, right. You know, I was I, I had a conversation with someone um, with some of my students in the past week or two uh, about motivation and um, it was an interesting conversation because 
and not that we're going to get on this today, but just to sort of plant a seed in, in your mind to, to think about this, um, it, a very small seed. Um, very small. <laughs> oh, very small. <laughs> just, I'll find some room. Yeah. Um, is, is the difference between motivation and passion. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we talk about creating motivation through right. success, and um, we've talked about grit before. Yeah, yeah uh, Paul Tuff. Paul Tuff, yeah. passion, you know. Right. And, what and, are you passionate about? And grit is that combination mm-hmm. of passion and persistence. And mm-hmm. so how do, you, how do you bridge some of that mm-hmm. to create, um, to, you know, to use the motivation uh, to, to remain persistent and uh, passionate about, uh, about things. And, and the truth is, and, you know, parents, and, and I think some teachers hate it when I say things like this, but, um, and I know you've said them too, is that, you know, there are a lot of students who just aren't very passionate about education. I mean, they're not very passionate about learning things that are really difficult for them. Right. And we have to figure out, and, and that's the, that's the, um, the burden of the teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the cross that they carry to try to figure out, okay, how do I get this kid interested in this subject mm-hmm. that they may find really no life real life right. meaning to them. right that's right so well that's what we want to talk about this morning because <clears throat> regardless of what else is happening um, system-wide in us whether it's high stakes testing or common core or any of these large issues um, regardless of that we have our our own children um, are going to to these schools right. and we still have issues to settle with them one of these issues one of the important issues is motivation right. and the reason this came up is I was teaching a class the other night on motivation I teach a cl- uh, uh, a graduate level course in um, learning theory and one of the important things about learning um, is that you have to be motivated because right. if you want to learn something you have to want to learn it right and we talk to parents all the time about homework yeah. and you can you can have your child sit at a table for an hour and do homework mm-hmm. but they may not learn anything right they have to the learning process is intentional is an intentional process that requires engagement that type of learning right you know one there are arguments on the behavioral side that if you if you apply particular types of reinforcement and things like that you know a dolphin doesn't necessarily want to jump through a ring but you can train him you know cognizantly oh i'm getting there you are going to get there. I'm going to get there. See, yeah. you're always a little step ahead. Well, yeah. once again, that speed at which we looking move through for the world. Where you always look ahead <laughs> of where you are. Okay. Um, no, that's right. That's that's exactly that's one of the places where we're going this morning because to understand motivation, there are four there are four ways to look at motivation. One is uh, called drive theory. Right. That's what we use to keep ourselves alive. Right. You know, you have to eat, you have to drink, you have to eliminate, you have to reproduce. These are things that we do for the survival of the individual and the survival of the species. Those are brain-driven urges, right. drives that we have. I, yeah, I was on the way to school the other day. I was riding with my son. I was taking him to school, and he's, he's in a health class, and they're on mental illness right now, mental health. And he was learning about Maslow's hierarchy of right. needs, and right. so that drive theory—that's your base. That's the, first one. that's the bottom right. level of Maslow's hierarchy. You you that's have right. to meet those needs. Yeah, first. because if you're if you're hungry, you're not going to be um, right. creating uh, world class art. You know, first of all, you have to you have to satisfy those basic needs. Which was a wonderful connection that he made while we were talking about it, because he said he said, oh, so, you know, he says that's why kids who don't really get to eat much and you know not sure about where they're mm-hmm. going to eat next, yeah. you know, how do, how, why would you expect them to be able to learn very well in school? Right. I was like, wow, if a, if a 15-year-old gets it. Right. Yeah, these kids who come to school hungry, for example. If you're right. hungry, you know, what do you care if you're learning? You're starving or you're being sexually abused or you're being physically abused. Or, right. you know, if those safety and um, survival needs are not being met, uh, you're not going to be motivated to do well right. in school. So, so that's the first level of motivation. Second med- level of motivation is... Things that we do because we get rewarded or for doing them or punished for not doing them. Right. And that's what we were, that's what we were talking about with the, with the animal training. Right. They do it, you know, there isn't, a, there isn't a, a killer whale in the world who wants to jump through a flaming hoop. Right. But if you deny them food and give them fish for doing it, then they'll do it. Well, and, and you know, and, and the, when we think about that kind of model, what we do if we really want to be successful with that, 
is we deny them some of those some of those drives. You deny we make them, them hungry. You deny them one of the survival needs, food. Right. Okay. You then they'll do hungry. anything. Exactly. Oh, no, I'll jump through a flaming hoop. Yeah. Oh, yes. I'll be happy to. You mean if I go close to this, you're going to give me something to eat? I'm going to go close to that every time I can. If you let me, if, all I have to do is let you ride on my back around this water pool. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'll be happy to. Yeah. You know, as long as you feed me. Yeah. Right. And so those are, that's the second level. We, that's behavioral. Third level is cognitive. That means we're thinking about things. And these are things that we do because we want to or because I like to do these things. Um, those are sports and hobbies and things that we, we do be, for the sheer enjoyment. There are some who like to read, so they read because it makes them feel good. There are other kids who are motivated to go to college. You know, they're, right. they're in kindergarten or first grade and say, I can't wait to go. I was listening to a radio program this morning. A woman just wrote a book. She's a plant biologist. And she said that her dad taught uh, science at a community college for 42 years and every night she'd go to the lab with her dad yeah to, he'd do his work and she'd putz around with him even as a little girl and she said well that's just what you do at night you go to your lab and she right. said i always wanted a lab that i could go to yeah. at night you yeah. know and so she was motivated she wasn't rewarded for doing that she wasn't punished for not doing it it was just something she really wanted to do right it was in her head that's the cognitive approach right to it, it, it was it was modeled for her as this is what's typical You're right and, and this, it, what, this is normal behavior exactly and it, and it goes to uh, you know it, it heralds back to what we encourage parents to do right. you know, read to your child right. right let your child see you read right because if they see you read then that's, that's right. a normal thing parents, um, that they want read. their kids to love reading and they never see their parents read a book right and there are lots of parents who don't read right and they but they want their kids to be motivated readers um, so that's the third and then the fourth level fourth and final level is what we call humanism and that's this urge that some people have to become better, right. to become more human, to become more civil, to become to really reach your potential. You know, we talk we yeah. talk to our children about you have to reach your potential. Right. That, that's the fourth level of motivation. You do things because it makes you better, right. more fully human. And so, uh, so there's four. There are four. Um, ways of looking at motivation and what do we do we typically stop at the second one right reward and punish i'm going to reward you for doing it i'm going to punish you if you don't do it right. and i'm going to make you more motivated and that brings us to the first of two points i want to make and the first point is is that parents frequently come in to see us or they visit with the teacher and the top and and what they say is well she would do better if she was more motivated mm-hmm. that's backwards Right. And we've talked about this yeah, in yeah. previous podcasts, yeah. that you do better and then you're motivated. Right. Okay? So that's, that's point number one that we want to make. The second point is there are two kinds of motivation. There's extrinsic motivation where the motivation comes from the outside, right. either in the form of a reward or in the form of a punishment. Um, so you'll do it because... Um, you want to get fed, you know, like right. the whales. Right. So that's external right. motivation. Or if you don't do it, I'm going to take your cell phone. Right. That's external motivation. The other is intrinsic. So there's extrinsic and intrinsic. So intrinsic motivation is you do it just for the love of wanting to do it. Right. Now, when you talk to parents and you say, what do you want your child to do or to be when they're an adult? And invariably they say, I want her to do something she's passionate about, yeah. that she loves, and I want, and I don't care what it is. I just want her to do it as well as she possibly can. Right. I don't care whether it's cooking, brain surgery, professional athletics. It doesn't matter what she chooses. I want it to be hers, and I want her to do it as well as she can. Right. And it's, okay, but what do we do? We start punishing kids for not doing what we tell them to do. Right. Okay. Right. Or, or not getting high enough grades. We, you didn't get all A's, so now I have to take your cell phone. Right. Or you're failing a class, so now I have to take your cell phone. That's all extrinsic motivation. Right. So we want intrinsic, but we practice extrinsic. Right. And and if listeners want to want to hear a lot more about about motivation, um, it was in our mental the mental breakdown podcast yeah, uh, episode forty two forty two when we talked motivation. about motivation, but. You know the what what you're talking about is is really really important because we 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 also have to weigh our expectations. Right. You know, I, I saw someone not too long ago who has a uh, first grader, and you know, in first grade, um, 
I know this isn't the topic of this this podcast, so I'll be careful. Yes, to do algebra. <laughs> um, you know, he's expected to write, you know, three That's paragraph essays. Right, right. And, you know, he doesn't want to do that. Um, he, you know, he, he writes a couple of sentences and he, he wants to move on. And as a bright kid, he says, well, um, this must not be first grade work. Mm-hmm. And he will say, um, <laughs> so I'm not going to do it anymore. Um, he, t- he decides it's not first grade it's work. Not, so this not is not too hard it. for first grade, so I'm going to move on. I'm going to talk about him in a minute. Um, but what's, what's, what's concerning and, and what's an issue is that when you, know, when you talk to the teacher, um, you know, they talk about motivation. Well, he, he, he just doesn't want to do it. He, you know, he, I just want him to be, to be interested in it and to want to do this. Right. Well, why? Why would he want to do that? You know, we're, we're, we don't really think about, you know, what it takes to build this intrinsic motivation that you're mm-hmm. talking about. Mm-hmm. Why would you want, why would anybody want to do something that they're not really good that at? they're not good at. Yeah. You know, we don't want to do things that we're not right. good at. Right. Well, um, that so which goes this, back to that that success and motivation thing. Right. Right. Because you know, I said there were two major points here. Maybe there's a third one, and that is that when we talk about motivation, especially in our children uh, who are school age, there we say they're not motivated. What we're really saying is. And there's nobody who isn't motivated. Right. I mean, we're motivated to eat. We're motivated to drink. We're motivated to sleep. We're motivated to play video games. Motivated for something. Right. Mm-hmm. We're just not motivated. Sometimes our children are, are not motivated to do what we want them to do. Right. So we can't say you're not motivated because you are motivated to do something. Even if you're motivated to do nothing, you're still motivated. Right. Okay. Right. So we're saying you're not motivated to do what we want them to do. Exactly. Like study for a test. Okay. So, and that's another thing to keep in mind. So keep that in mind. Keep intrinsic and extrinsic in mind, okay? So I was teaching my class, and we came upon a famous um, educational psychologist. Her name is Carol Dweck, D-W-E-C-K. And everybody who's ever studied the teaching profession has come across Carol Dweck at some point in their career. And Carol Dweck talks about talks a lot about motivation. She spent um, 35 years studying motivation. And she has um, developed this notion that there are two kinds of goals. You know, we all want our kids to have goals. Right. Okay? There are learning objectives, learning goals, mm-hmm. and there are performance goals. Yeah. Performance goals are, I'm going to do it because I have to. Mm-hmm. Okay? And learning goals are, I want, to get, I want to learn something from this. Right. Okay? And some tasks we approach as performance goals, and some tasks we approach as learning goals. So at the beginning of the podcast, we said that we don't want to just be curmudgeons. We also want to talk about things we can do to make life easier for our children and for ourselves. Okay. So that, so what we want to talk about today is how do we deal with motivation when our kids seem less motivated than we right. want them to be? Okay. Well, one of the things to remember is there are two kinds of goals. One is a performance goal and one is a learning goal. We want our kids to have a learning goal. Right. But sometimes all they have is a performance goal. And that's Okay. Right, not preferable, but but it's okay. And, and and let's let's you know perhaps admit the fact that that's what's we, expected of them. We do, and we do the same thing. Right. As adults, we choose what we want to do well and learn something, and what we just have to do. Right. You know? Right. Well, and, and when we think about again working hard not to be the curmudgeon, but you know when the way that our system is set up right now with testing and all that kind of stuff. It really doesn't matter what you've learned as long as you can do well in the test. And that's what I want to talk about today. That's the crux of this presentation is that what you are struggling with as a parent, because this is not your fault and it's not your child's fault totally. Okay, listen very carefully to this. It's not your child and it's not you. Today's children, since the 90s, since we started this high-stakes testing, the goal of when you go to school, the major goal is we talk about performance learning goals. In schools today, the major goal is for you to pass that test. And you have to get the right answer. Right. So when we talk about there's time being spent on test preparation, Uh you know, when when, we talked about that before, what kids are being taught how to do today is how to get the right answer. Mm -hmm. Okay. This is how you take a multiple choice test and you eliminate these as possible answers and you narrow it down to these two so in our test preparation uh, classes, whether they occur at a at a um, at a for profit 
um, educational center or they occur in schools, that's the goal. I mean, we prepare kids to take the medical college aptitude test and the state licensing board exams right. for, for physicians. And those are, here's how you get the right answer. Right. So in today's schools, the goal is to get the right answer. Right. Um, my kids struggled with this in elementary school because they would read stories. They didn't read them for enjoyment. They read them so that they could get the right answer on the comprehension test. And sometimes I would get the wrong answer on the comprehension test, right. okay? But the goal was you have to get the right answer. You're not reading for enjoyment. You're reading to get the right answer. Right. You're, getting, you're doing math to get the right answer. And then at the end of the year, you take this test, and the goal is to get the right answer. Right. So what's drummed into our kids today is get the right answer, get the right answer, get the right answer. There's one right answer, and you have to get the right answer. Okay? Right. That's the goal. In that environment... Our kids are turning everything into performance goals. Get the right answer. Right. It's not about learning. It's right. about get the right answer. Yeah. So they're starting to approach everything that way. Yeah. Homework, get the right answer. Get ready for a test, get the right answer. You have a spelling test, get the right answer. Nobody's talking about learn. Very few people are talking about learning anymore. It's all about get the right answer because we have to take this test at the end of the year. Yeah, I was talking to a parent about that the other day mm-hmm. that... Um, you know, again, it gets back to, I just want her to want to. <laughs> right. Well, but right. that's that's really not the goal. The goal right. is just to get mm-hmm. the right answer. Right. And so what we're... And to, she knows that. You know, students know that. What? The, the, that the goal is just to get the right answer. Oh, absolutely. You know, Even little oh, kids know that. She just wants me to tell her the answer. Well, because the answer is all that matters. That's all that matters to her because that's what she's been told day after day after day after day. It's this, it's this obsession with getting the right answer. And the more right answers you get, the higher your score will be. And some people say, well, that's how life is. No, that's not how life is because... That's not why we read. As For the rest of your life, from the time you leave school until you die, the rest of your life, you will read what you want for the purposes that you want to read it. Right. Unless you're at work, okay, and you have right. to read a manual, okay? So that, I agree. But uh, most of what we do, watching movies, reading books, re- going to plays, um, everything we do is for enjoyment. We do it because we want to do it and we're interested in it. That's all intrinsic motivation, okay? So it's just in these years that we, uh, that parents and teachers uh, are drumming this into kids. The right answer, get the right answer, get the right answer. Okay, so what price are we paying? Is there some price for getting the right answer? Yes. What are the prices? Number one, kids now are afraid to fail. Right. Okay, that's problem number one. And parents are afraid to allow their kids to fail. And parents don't want their kids to fail. So, so there's this... There's this mental, um, um, this, there's this mindset developing in the country today that as a parent, I need to make sure, I need to structure my child's life so that she doesn't fail, so that it's success after success after success after success, and success will breed success. Right. So if she, if she gets it right all the time, then she will get to where we want to be at the end. Now, and we say, but my, my, child, my children don't understand that, so I have to impose it on them, okay? Um, try not to get caught, if you're a parent, if you're a teacher, Try not to get caught in that mindset because some of our most valuable lessons are learned by falling short or even by failing. Right. Okay. Um, in our business, we, we submit articles for publication and we get them rejected because they're not, they don't meet some standard. Okay. Right. You learn a lot. You, we learn from our failures. We learn from our rejections. When an article is, is accepted, I don't know whether it was accepted because it was well-written or because yeah. it was on a certain topic. Because right. I write the same, whether it's accepted or rejected. And I don't, I can't explain why some are accepted and some are rejected. Or, or, or because they just needed another article for that, that, that journal. They may have needed that, another one on edition. that topic. You know, it's no better than anything else I've written. So, so, but when we do get rejected and people tell us why it's being, then we can change it and make it better. Right. So we learn things by being told that this isn't quite as good as it should be. Okay. Right. So you learn from your failures. I was reading an article yesterday. There's a math program out today. It's, I think it's called Purposeful Failure. And it is a math program that uses very difficult problems that are beyond the ability of the kids to solve. Uh-huh. But in working through the problems, they're learning the math behind the, the, that's involved. And, and, 
and they may not even be able to solve it, but they're learning it. And they're learning through their failures of where to go next, where to go next, where to go next. So it motivates them to keep going. So keep in mind that while our children are in a get the right answer system, our obligation for parents is to begin to introduce some failure into their lives and teach them how to handle disappointment and teach them how to handle failure. We see this in sports all the time. Right. You know, I tell my kids, you're gracious in victory, but you're gracious in defeat. You have to learn how to lose gracefully because sometimes you're going to lose. Nobody wins all the time in any sport. Yeah. Um, I, was, so, I, I was talking to a... It, it seems like this happens often. I was talking to a, a guy the other day whose son played on a, um, a high school, or not a high school, he's a middle school um, soccer team. Mm-hmm. And we were, we were talking about the team and everything. And he, and our conversation shifted to talking about a, a club team. And he was saying that he has this friend who, who coaches a really good mm-hmm. um, club team mm-hmm. that doesn't lose. And he said that the coach was very worried about the fact that, you know, these boys don't know how to lose. And so he went, they went into a tough game, and the coach purposefully placed the players in positions that they weren't accustomed ah, to, okay. to to, in, get them to, to get lose. them to lose. Right. It, it almost failed. They, they almost <laughs> won anyways <laughs> because they were just yeah, really good, good players. But, yeah. um, but, yeah, we do that as coaches because right. it's important that we experience that mm-hmm. sensation. What does it feel like to right. fail? Yeah, because that's how we learn. Yeah, I watched my daughter at this new tennis place she's going to, which has really high-level players, and boy, she is getting kicked around because they're so good. But she's learning more in one day than she learned in a week playing right. against easy players. She's learning now that she's playing against people better than she, and she's playing against boys who hit all you know these high school boys. Um, hit the ball really hard. And so she's learning from her failures and she's learning from her disappointments. She's not going to learn anything if she plays against people that she can beat every day. Right. So we spend, we, we talk a lot about if a child consistently fails, how bad it is for their self-esteem. Right. right. If you fail and you fail and you fail. I think the same goes for winning. If you succeed too much, you also get into um, into a disadvantage right. you know because if you're winning all the time you're going to be like that soccer team how do you how do you handle failure how do you, right. and why are you winning all the time well if a kid is only succeeding in school then he's doing work that he already knows right i mean it's not new stuff it's you know if right. you can do it it's because you already know it there's a there's a great video that's making its rounds and it's it's an older video but it's you know it, it recur you know it comes back around on, mm-hmm. on facebook every once in a while of, of the the jewish um I don't know if he's a rabbi, but he, he's talking about um, he's talking about stress, and he's talking about lo- and and using the, the metaphor of lobsters. And he was, ta- oh, he was yeah, talking yeah. about how right. you know you have to experience that distress, you have to experience that that challenge, that pressure, um, because that's what makes you grow. In order to grow, Th- that means that right. you're growing. Right. Um, and, and I, you know, we talked about this earlier this week as we were preparing for the podcast, and. Um, and because you you said that earlier, and I've been thinking about it a lot, that because you're absolutely right. If if you're always if you're making straight A's, mm-hmm. then clearly the material is either too easy, mm-hmm. or you already know it. Right, that's right. And and if that's the case, mm-hmm. um, you know, we really need to reevaluate what's how happening. Get, how do you get growth? How are you getting you know, better? If you're if you're not being challenged, right? How do you how do you get better and how do you learn how to reach for more if you're always getting an A? And I think that that, ex- that helps explain why some of these students will graduate high school with you know 4.3 GPAs, right. and then they get into college and they struggle. Right. They just right. can't make it because it, right. they're not accustomed to working at a level that really pushes their ability. Right. And then they get a B or a C, which oh, to the professor apart. is saying you're doing okay. Yeah. You know. Um, and they fall apart because, wait a minute, I'm supposed to get all A's. Uh, my goal is to get all A's. Yeah. When you and say the professor goal, gets a call from mom and it's like, wait a minute, this yeah. dude's 18 years old. Why am I getting a call from mom? Right. When you set that goal to get all A's, um, you're setting a performance goal, not a learning goal. Right. Um, I want students to come and say, I need to learn these skills to, because I want to be a good counselor or I want to be a right. good mathematician or whatever. Um, I need to know this stuff. And that's what we want kids to bring. It's not, I want to get all A's, right. but I want to learn this stuff. So one thing we get when we um, 
when we are, get on this track to only succeeding, is that uh, one one of the prices we pay is fear, fear of failure. Right. Okay. So we get kids who are who are very afraid to fail. Now, when you get when you're afraid to fail, first of all, you don't take risks. So when you get an assignment, you always take the easiest way out. Yes. Okay. I want to take the easiest way because that will get me an A. I don't want to stretch too far because I don't want to risks. I don't want to risk getting a B. Right. So, but where's the growth come? The growth comes from taking a risk. The right. growth comes from putting yourself in a situation. Now, children may not put themselves in that situation because they don't want to risk an A because they're afraid they're going to get punished somewhere somehow. Okay, fine. Then as a parent, you want to give your child some other opportunity to experience right. disappointment or failure. Right. Okay. Then you have to find other ways like music or art or sports or some other venue right. where they are um, pushed beyond their current capacity so that they learn how to handle that and they learn how to handle success. So as a parent, we encourage you to look for ways that you can that you can use to teach your children how to take risks, how to push themselves, um, how to um, learn how to handle disappointment, and that you have to just work harder. Right. And I think I mentioned a couple weeks ago about the girl who came to her dad and was complaining about the coach and she wasn't getting enough playing yeah. time. And the dad simply looked at her and said, work harder. You know, right. Good advice. I mean, he yeah. wasn't being cruel. That was really good advice. It, it was. And, you know, and, and I think that we cre- we're creating this culture and we and we again we've kind of talked about some of this before we've created this culture where it's um just just make it easy for me mm-hmm. just make it just just give me what i need so that i have the answer right um without having to because you know we see this in 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 college and graduate students as well yep you know they they say you know well just you know, I'm busy, I, I'm this, and, you know, just just tell me what I need to know. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. you know, you need to know all of it. <laughs> right. You know, and, and, and right. A, a student once made the argument that, um, well, you know, when I'm, when I'm working in the field, when I'm working professionally, mm-hmm. I'll have books and I'll have all this stuff at my, at my, mm-hmm. my um, fingertips that I can use. It's, I'm never going to be tested about this before again. And, and, and while there is some truth to that, the, the, the issue is is that you're not always going to have that. And you know when you're talking about, you're, you're going to be in situations where you have to make a decision without the book. You have to have some idea where to go because if not, you know, I, I think about us in our field, you know, you, you start questioning a patient and, uh, okay, well, you know, I'm going to have to do some research and figure out what's going on. And then they come back the next time and you ask some more questions to explore what you were doing research on. And then you get a little bit more information. You're like, oh man, that didn't really fit with that. So I need to research a little bit more. So come back right. again in a couple of weeks and let mm-hmm. me research this. And then the, the diagnostic process and everything ends up taking a long, long time, you know, weeks and weeks mm-hmm. and weeks. There is some... You know, the information is important and the want to mm-hmm. learn, yeah, the, the two, need to learn is, impo- is critical. Right. The two places where we encounter this all the time is, number one, when we have to testify either in a deposition yeah. or in a trial. Uh, when, when you're sitting in a, in a courtroom and, and you're the witness, you don't have any books. You can't Google anything. Right. This all has to be in your head and at your fingertips yeah. because you're going to be asked questions that you never knew were coming. Yep. And those attorneys are smart. They know what to ask. Absolutely. They do a very good job of researching everything. And boy, you think that they have a degree in psychology or did, psychiatry. Did I tell you that that happened to me last week when I was yeah. testifying? Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the state attorney, um, you know, asked a very good question. Yeah, it was great. Good you know, um, we were talking about the the MMPI, mm-hmm. and she says, um, "Hasn't there been some recent research that's come out that kind of that talked about some limitations in the use right. of that scale with certain populations?" Right. Um, she knew the literature. She knew the literature, <laughs> and so I had to respond to that, and I had right. to talk to her about that mm-hmm. and testify about it in court right. under, under oath. oath. Right. Um, you know, with with quite literally a guy's life. Something riding on uh, it. Uh, riding on that, that's and right. and you know, you can't. Just not know. And the other place we get this all the time. It happened with you in a TV interview, and it happened with me with a with a, a magazine or newspaper interview that I did a couple of weeks ago. Um, when you're interviewed for yeah. TV, or they ask you questions, and you have to be able to talk extemporaneously. You just have to start talking about what you know. There's no time to Google. There's right. no time to look it up. You just have to know it. Right. So, so there are things that 
so in our field, you got to know some stuff. Right. I mean, you, you can't Google everything. Right. Right. And, and, and I, I, I always encourage, you know, I, we're kind of focusing on, on our field a little bit, but, mm-hmm. you know, when you, have, when you have the, the, the breadth of knowledge, you know, mm-hmm. you, you don't have to know everything really in depth, no. but you have to have at least, you know, the, the top two or three layers right. sort of under your belt a little bit so that mm-hmm. you, can, you can pull that out and you can talk about it. Um, you know, w- when you're talking with patients, you know, one of the things that, um, that I know you and I joke about a lot is that um, many times when I'm reading and studying at night, I'll have cartoons and I'll right. have different TV shows on, not because I'm really interested in that stuff, but because I know that I'm going to have a patient that's going to, you know, when I ask them, you know, what do you enjoy? They may mention something like that. And I would like to know something about it so that I can say, well, let's talk about that a little bit. And that's how you create connections. So right. Right. We, we think that some of this stuff is, is unnecessary. You know, people mm-hmm. talk about bringing it back to education, right. the important stuff. People say, you know, well, what do, we, what do I need to know algebra for? You know, there's, I'm not never going to use it. I'm never going to use algebra in real life. Mm-hmm. Well, but, but you may. Um, I, I was talking to a police officer not long ago. And he goes, you know what? Whenever I'm analyzing a, a, a crash scene, mm-hmm. I use algebra all the time. Right, right. You know, he goes, that's exactly what I use is, mm-hmm. is algebra to figure mm-hmm. out velocity. And, you know, there's formulas that we have to use to, to calculate mm-hmm. that. Right. And so, yes, in fact... There is a real-life application to, to algebra. Right. You may not see that when you're in ninth grade taking algebra. Right. Um, and you may not see that if, you, you know, if your, jo- your particular job doesn't call on it. But that doesn't mean that it's not important. Yeah, and so learn it. Yeah, learn you it. Know, stop fighting it. Just learn it. Okay? Right. Um, so, so one thing is we have fear. Secondly, risks. Third, we want to get kids out of their comfort zone. Right. Okay. Whether it, whether you're, no matter what age you are, you got to get out of your comfort zone because you're not going to learn till you get out of your comfort zone. You're going to learn, number one, you're going to learn new things. And number two, you're really going to learn things. You're not just going to get an A. Um, we talk about college students. We have these things called, we have these things called rubrics. Right. Now, you know, right. and we have to have rubrics. What is a rubric? A rubric is you tell your students exactly what they need to do to get an A. Right. <laughs> Wrong. Right. Okay. Why should, that's a recipe to follow. That, right. that's, that's really not how learning occurs. When I tell my students, when you have done your best work, when, when you have done the best that you can do, turn it into me and I'll grade it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to assume that you're handing me the best work that you can possibly right. do. And then I'll evaluate it based on that assumption. Right. Okay. You decide what you, you put as much as you can into this project. I'm not going to tell you exactly what you have to do. Just give me your best work. Right. Then I know you're learning something. Right. Okay. Yeah. I, I do that with my students. They'll, I'll Scares give them a writing, them I'll give them a writing assignment. They said, well, how many pages does it have to be? I said, as long as you need to include all the information you need to include. Right. Right. Blank faces, <laughs> wide-eyed. They're like, scares what? them to death. They want to like, know. Just... You want two pages, three pages. Right. I tell my students, give me one page, because if they can say it in one page, yeah, then I know that they know it. Right. And they can't have all the fluff and everything that goes right. with it. They have to get right to the point. Right. You know? uh, that notion of I would have written a longer letter, but I didn't have time. Right. You know? So. But um, the the. Uh, for for letter. yeah, writing a shorter letter, but I didn't have time. Right. Uh, that happened to. Me. <sighs> Man, I had to write you that letter to the attorney the other day, right. and she said, "Just write a brief note." Yeah. Man, that thing took me three hours to write a page to write and a, a brief half. Note. Right. I would gracious. have written a shorter letter, but I didn't have time. But so, but leave, talking about leaving your comfort zone again, mm-hmm. this was something we talked about in um, episode forty-one right. of the mental That's breakdown right. because right. that we did that series on mm-hmm. um, you know how to you know creating goals and, and overcoming some of right. those um, right those, those struggles. So what? So the advice, the take-home message here is: so we have fear, risks, and comfort zone on, on it. So what we want to encourage parents and teachers to do is this: our school system today is set up to get the right answer. Right. We, we 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 just drum that into kids every single day, and it's particularly true at this time of year where they have to get the right answer on these um, high-stakes tests. Okay, right. so we have a system now. The way it has evolved, it has evolved to get the right answers so that you can get an A, so that you can get to the best schools, so that you can get to the best colleges, get the best job. So get the right answer, get the right answer, get the right answer. But remember, as a parent, you want your children to get to do well in school. So yes, do all that stuff. 
But those are really performance objectives. Please understand that getting an A is also is is at its foundation a performance objective. My goal is to get an A. We also, as parents and teachers, want to give our students opportunities to have learning objectives. So some of their day should be spent stretching, getting out of their comfort zone. Um, don't be afraid to fail. You know, this is a, it's okay to lose to fail. It's okay to lose a tennis match because in losing, in falling short, in failing, we learn important lessons. We can't learn much if we're only succeeding. We right. don't want kids to only fail, but we don't want kids to only succeed. So try to figure out, take a look at your family life and try to figure out places where your child can be pushed, can stretch, can do what they want to do. Final comment. You know, one of the one of the important things about play that I didn't know, one of the important things about play is because play is child-directed, not adult-directed, mm -hmm. that's one of the places where kids can stretch, where right. they can do a little bit more, right. you know, try to hit it a little farther, mm -hmm. try to run a little faster. You're competing with each other. And play is one of those places where kids can get out of their comfort zone and stretch a little more right. than, they, than they would under adult. Uh, rules and regulations. Right. That's why that's why so many kids prefer practice over games. Because in practice, I can do things that I wouldn't otherwise do. Because in a game, right. the, the stakes are higher. Play positions that I'm not usually used right. to playing. You know, I'm, I'm always catcher, but now I'm going to play in the outfield. Right. And they get to do that during practice, okay? Right. They get to bat left-handed instead of right-handed. Right. And, and that's what kids use play for, is to stretch, okay? <clears throat> so... Try to, try to remember that there are learning objectives and performance objectives. Um, they're both okay, but we have to give our kids some opportunities for learning objectives. Right. Remember what you want. You want your child to have intrinsic motivation. Right. So um, also be talking to them about doing things for the love of doing it. Doing right. things just because it's good to learn something. Right. And move, move yourself and your family back off a little bit from that... If my child's not motivated, I'm going to punish her until she is. Right. Okay. Move. Just step back from that reward and punish system of motivation. Remember, that's only one of four reasons why we're motivated. Right. And it's usually not the best one. So move toward intrinsic and away from extrinsic motivation. Right. Yeah. And, and I think that it's a it, it, it's an important um, thing. This this mission that we're on mm -hmm. to to not just be curmudgeons and, right. and, and say that you know. The reality is, is this is the system that we're in right now. Mm -hmm. Right. So, right. so we can fight against it, mm -hmm. and that's fine, you know. Right. But while we're fighting against it, we still have to live in it. That's right. Um, and so, right. while we're living in it, let's to do figure out what to do so that we can survive it. Right. And we survive it by doing exactly what you're talking about, and that is, um, you know, we we addressed address the issues that need to be addressed in mm -hmm. order to encourage our kids to be motivated, um, help them see the personal rewards that come right. from doing some of these things that they may not be right. masters at, right. um, so that they can build that intrinsic motivation because that's it, intrinsic motivation is going to come from feeling successful, right. feeling as though this is worth that's right. Doing. It's worth it to me. Right. Because the, the, the other thing about always getting the right answer is there's, a in, there's an inherent anxiety right. built into that. So what we want is sit down with your kids. We know they're getting all that stuff at school. So they're getting this anxiety-produced performance objectives to get, it, to get it right. So at home, sit down with your kids and come up with some learning objectives. Come up with something they want to do right. that are important to them. Without the anxiety, they'll right. they'll they'll learn something, but there's no anxiety attached to it. You struck out tonight. That's okay. You're learning. This is your learning objective. Right. And sometimes you're going to strike out, and that's okay. There's no anxiety attached to right. it. It's their mission to get better. Okay. Yeah. And so try to try to sit down with your kids and come up with some things that 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 are theirs that they really want to do and can become passionate about. You know. I this will be the last example that I okay. use, I promise. Um, at the start of this past uh, baseball season, mm -hmm. I, I saw a kid who um, has just recently, he moved here within the last couple of years, and he's a, um, he tried out for baseball, and he got on a team, and he didn't get on the team that some of his friends got on mm -hmm. that he knows will be a very good team. Right. And so he was going to quit. Right. He wanted to drop out because he was, you know, I don't want to be on a losing team. Um, 
Now, he, he has no idea who else was going to be on his team yet. He had just gotten a call about which team he was on, and he only knew that these two friends of his weren't on that team. And so he wanted to quit, and he wanted to, to drop off the team and just not play this year. And so he and I, and, you know, this is, a, I, he's like eight years old. Yeah. So we're having this conversation, and, um, and the, we, we had exactly the same conversation. And say, what can... What can we, how can we use this season? Okay, right. so let's, let's imagine this is a, a throwaway season, a season that you're mm-hmm. not going to win. Mm-hmm. You may lose every game. Right. But what can, what can you get out of it? Right. Um, you know, how can you become better? Maybe, um, you know, he, he, something else that we're working on is that he has the feeling that he's going to be the best player on the team and all the other kids are going to yeah. be awful and all this kind of right. stuff. And, um, you know, and, and so I said, okay, so if you're the best player on this team, what this means is that perhaps you'll have the chance to play different positions that you've never played before. And so you'll be able to, you know, try new things. You'll be able to sort of uh, expand, um, expand your skills. Right. Uh, you'll be able to, you know, you'll be able to play every game. Um, and so we kind of went through all these things and, and I, I, I try to help him understand that, you know, let's create a little bit of intrinsic motivation, even though we know we're going to fail, right. even, even though well, we the, feel as though we're going to fail. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, let's find out, let's figure out what kind of motivation we can build for what can you get out of this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He came back a few weeks later and, and he, uh, actually it was about a month later, he had stayed on the team. The team wasn't as awful as he thought it was, right. but he said, you know, he, he didn't attribute it to our previous conversation, but he said, you know what, I just figured I would use this season to, to grow my game. Right. And again, for an eight-year-old to say that, even eight-year-olds can appreciate that if we talk to them about it. And we, what, a, we, what a valuable lesson for an eight-year-old to learn, right. you know, that this is his, he's, you know... Right. That's and we can do the same thing with education. We can. That's right. You know, right. you know, I know that algebra is confusing. Mm-hmm. I know that, you know, it right. put, just say it as kids, algebra sucks. Mm-hmm. But you'll be able to take that, you know, if you, if you succeed at that, something that you have no interest in, if you can succeed there, right. what else will hold you back? Because right. if you overcome that challenge, mm-hmm. then you can overcome any challenge. Right. The goal is not to get an A in algebra. The goal is to learn algebra. Right. If you learn algebra and get all C's, it's an enormous accomplishment. Right. Okay. Don't worry about getting an A. Learn about learning it. Right. Okay. Right. So, yeah. Uh, we got to focus on the learning. Right. Objective, not right. just the performance not object, just like the you performance said. Objective. Just because you're not going to get an A in a subject doesn't mean you don't take it. Right. You take it because it's worthwhile learning it. Exactly, right. exactly. So, give your good. kids an opportunity to do that. That's yeah. the me- that's the message. And, and and talk to them. Yeah, don't. you know, people people just we just don't talk to our kids enough. Right. I think right. not not about things of value. Mm-hmm. We 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 talk at our kids right. a lot. We mm-hmm. don't talk with our kids. Yeah, and, you're and not that's motivated, important. so this is what we're going to do. Oh, wait a minute. Let's have a large. Let's have a larger conversation about motivation. Right, right. It's a more complicated topic than rewarding and punishing kids for not being motivated. And yeah. remember, if you want motivation, you first of all have to have achievement. Help your kids achieve. The motivation will come. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The the the, the idea of um, the beatings will continue until you're motivated <laughs> That's right. uh, to do different. Right. So punishments are going to continue. No. 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 You have to you have to increase their achievement. Then their motivation will come after that. Yeah. Make them feel good about it. Right. That's right. So. Okay. All right. Um, have fun with your kids this weekend. So let's think of any announcements. Oh, yes. No, I don't have any announcements. You don't have any announcements? I'm going to throw a few announcements out there. Um, I mentioned, we mentioned before about our new intervention manual and, and, and the um, new thing that we're looking at, or we're building for um, mm-hmm. dealing with some of these behavioral issues in school. Um, that, that's, that's moving along very well. We're, about to, we're, we're starting a project with the University of South Florida with that, and right. um, that, that's happening. And so um, hopefully, uh, for those of you who are teachers out there, um, if you're interested in us coming to your school and, and talking about it or um, you know, presenting any of this information, this model to your school, uh, let us know. Get in touch with us because uh, those that we've talked to uh, from Washington State to Delaware to, you know, we've talked all across the country yeah. mm-hmm. um, about this. Uh, it's, uh, it's been received very well, and, and mm-hmm. we're very eager to get this out and, and talk more about it. Yeah, we've talked a lot about the, um, the, the um, 
presence of children with mental illness in our public schools, in all schools, right. public and private, uh, 20%, uh, 10% of children have serious mental health issues. And since the middle 80s, um, the uh, public school system, uh, public and private school systems in this country have moved toward what is called an inclusion model. Mm-hmm. So these kids are now included in regular classrooms. Unfortunately, most teachers, even at a graduate level, don't have much training in dealing with people with mental illness. Right. Uh, they see them as kids with behavior problems, but it's much more than that. Right. And so we've developed this um, model, this intervention assessment and intervention model. Uh, to help schools deal with children who are very difficult. We call them disruptive students, any kind of disruption. So this model is specifically designed to manage kids with mental illness who tend to be disruptive in school settings. So if you're interested, uh, let us know because uh, we're going to be working on that project with uh, students from the University of South Florida and uh, with our own publishing company. And uh, so let us know if you're interested. We'll be happy to come out and talk to you about it. Okay. Yeah, I think it'll be great. And, and the more we talk about it, again, the, the more we can hone in on exactly what teachers need mm-hmm. and, and make sure we give them what, what, what they will be able to use in the classroom. Right. So, um, Announcement number two. We are within days. a week and a half. Mm-hmm. We are within days of, uh, of part one. Of releasing part one of mm-hmm. the revised handbook for raising an emotionally healthy child. Uh, we originally published it in 2012. It, it received a, a lot of good responses right. from the parents and, and um, teachers and, and people who, who purchased it and, and got the first uh, version of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we self-published it, and that was something that we, we threw together. Well, we didn't throw it together. We worked on it uh, over a long period of time. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, we, we really dug in this time and did some major revisions and um, we've decided to release it in parts because mm-hmm. that way it kind of gets out there a little bit faster because uh, sections two and three, we're really, <laughs> we're really redoing those, uh, restructuring the whole thing. So we're going to be releasing part one within the next couple of weeks. By, by, by May 3rd, uh, we should have the first uh, section uh, released, and that's going to include... Um, an introduction to that section is called behavior modifi- uh, behavior management, and um, it's going to include um, an introduction to the behavioral uh, section, but also chapters one, two, three, and four, where we go through the developmental stages from birth through adolescence and, and talk about some of the typical behavioral stuff that um, you can expect. How and, to handle all those difficult yeah. behaviors at each age level? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and so it, it's it's. It, it's so close. It's yep. so close. We just are making the final, final revisions, and then we just have to format it, and that, right. that shouldn't take me too long. Um, and we're going to offer some additional resources and stuff for people who, who purchase. It, it'll be a, as a Kindle ebook, mm-hmm. um, uh, and people who purchase it will be able to have access to uh, some additional resources online uh, to help them practice it at home, and, and uh, it, it'll be great. I'm excited about it. And uh, so within the next couple of weeks, so keep track of things on our uh, blog at thementalbreakdown.com and at paideallc.com. That's our publishing company. So, um, Next, the uh, Udemy course. I've mentioned it before. We're building a a parenting program for parents of children with ADHD. And this is a a um, do-it-at-home parenting program. intervention model uh, for you to, for inter- including interventions, a lot, a lot of background information about ADHD, but a lot of uh, interventions and um, strategies and things that you can do uh, today to start uh, addressing some of the issues that we see when parenting kids with ADHD. So it, it's coming along. I, I had to pause uh, some of that work because of some of these other things like the, um, the paper we're writing about the intervention manual and some of the other things that we have going on, but it, it's it's getting out there and it's going to be um, um, it's going to be great. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't I can't Looking wait to have that done. Um, and then we're going to do some others uh, later on. Finally, um, I am happy to announce that we are now, we've been on iTunes, and, and so again, if you listen to us on iTunes, please write a rate us and write a review so other people can find us, and um, you know that, that's so helpful. Um, that would be great. But we are also now on Google Play Music. Mm-hmm. 
Did you know that? No. Yeah, we're on Google Play Music now. So those of you with uh, Android devices um, and you don't have access to um, iTunes uh, for whatever reason, you can find us on um, find us there. So maybe you've been listening to us on uh, on the website or on the on the blog or something like that. Uh, now you can, if you have the Google Play Music app, you can download all of our past episodes for not just this podcast but also our Mental Breakdown podcast. They're all available there for download, and you can subscribe. And new episodes will be uh, available immediately. So that's exciting. We, we are we've been syndicated. Is that count as syndication? I don't know. Uh, probably not, but I'm going to call it syndication. I don't know. <laughs> That's good enough for me. Because we are, we, look at, we, we are on, we're on our blog, we're on iTunes, now Google Play Music. Look, New York Times next. That's where we're going. <laughs> so, all right. Any, that, that's all the announcements I have. Any good. other announcements? <laughs> all right. No, I'm, no. He, he's antsy. You need to get, you need more coffee. Oh, yes. It's, yes. uh. It's 7.46. We're ready. Okay. In 15 minutes, we're going to start our next we have podcast. We another podcast. That's yeah. right. That's so right. If, you're, if you're listening live, switch over to The Mental Breakdown mm-hmm. on Mixler, and you'll be able to listen to us there. Right. Awesome. Okay. Awesome. Um, All right. Yes. Enjoy your children this weekend. Yes. Have a good weekend. Um, uh, next week, there's more testing. Uh, my son is doing all of his testing oh. next week. Our teachers are telling me that they're going to be testing from now until the end of the uh. school year. And I'm discouraged, and I'll have to talk to my friends in the school system. I'm discouraged to learn that even if children are not being tested, they're being, their schedules are changing, and they're doing less because um, all the resources now are going into the testing. So even if they're not testing themselves... Their educations have been interrupted, you don't, uh, put on hold uh, during testing you're, season. You're going to mention that, so because that's going to be a conversation. I'm concerned about that's that. a long conversation we need to have. That's a conversation, and I want to make sure I know, you know, that I get the real information. So I need to talk to some principals. That, that makes me insane. Teachers, because because you know, we don't we don't do we don't do art, we don't do music, we don't do PE every day because we have to have more academic engaged time. But yet, if Fifth grade is doing testing. No, but no other students are going to do any work that day. And this is going on for weeks. You know, weeks so, and weeks. Yeah. So I'm, um, you know, especially the, these schools that have, have such a broad range right. of grades, like yeah. middle schools and high schools and well, schools that have elementary and middle school. So there's yeah. eight grades, and, and all those kids have to yeah. be tested. So all the personnel are used for testing. So we have to put everything else, including education, aside for a time. Right. And I'm a little bit concerned about that because it truly is a, a situation of the tail wagging the dog. Right. You know? um, why can't kids be tested for two days? And that's the end of it. That's the end. You, know, you lose two days a year for testing. You know, Governor Scott got on the radio and talked about, we're going to reduce testing. I, I don't see think, a reduction. I don't think there's a reduction. Um, yeah. uh, there might be. Uh, so... Uh, I'll find out. But we'll, it, we'll take a look at things. It's hard to imagine that there's a reduction in testing when we've added new tests. Right. Uh, next week, my son has uh, FSA reading on Monday and Tuesday, mm-hmm. Algebra 2 tests, EOC on right. Wednesday and Thursday, and Biology EOC on Friday. And he's in? He's in ninth, ninth grade, grade, but he's so taking that, 10th grade Biology and 11th grade so Algebra 2. So all those other students are going to be affected because of, that, because of his, te- not his testing schedule, but the testing schedule. Yeah. I was also informed yesterday that... Polk County disallows the opt-out movement. Polk County Whatever School that Board's disallow. I have no idea what that means because if you want to opt out, it's not Polk County's decision right. of whether you can opt out or not. If right. you opt out, you opt out. Um, yeah. I, I got to check that one out too because that one didn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Opt out is illegal everywhere. Um, you know, any state right. that has state mandated tests. If you opt out, you're breaking the law. Um, so I don't know, I don't know what that meant, but uh, we need to check out on, we need to check that one too. Right, right. And if you want to know more about opt-out, you know, there, there's a lot of great mm-hmm. blogs and, and Facebook pages. Um, our friend, uh, Dr. Wendy Bradshaw talks about it yeah. a lot and she's, she has a lot of great information about how to do it the right way. That's right. You don't, you don't refuse it. You do minimal participation. Are, that's right. And, 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 and Polk County you... can't, I mean, you can't stop somebody from doing that. Right. So I'm not sure what that means. Right. But um, I need to take a look at that. And Wendy, if you're listening, uh, give us a call because uh, we'd like to talk to you. Diane Rabich also talks about this at a national level. Right. Um, so we need to find out more about that because uh, parents in Long Island and some other places around the country, because they have very active 
uh, opt-out movements, yeah. they have actually changed the policies, yeah. the testing policies in those states. It's going to take a grassroots, um, mm -hmm. I don't like to use the word rebellion, but it's going to take a grassroots movement of some proportion to bring some sanity back into the testing uh, of our students. Oh, so. Sanity in the testing so that's well, it's, not, it's it's completely out of hand right now, and right. everybody, even people in the system, acknowledge that that this whole testing uh, business has gotten completely out of hand. It has overwhelmed the entire system. It's costing tens of millions of dollars. Um, it's costing students. It's costing teachers. Lost instructional time creates anxiety uh, at every level. So, yeah, um, yeah it's, it's unfortunate. It's out of hand right now. See, you so. mentioned this in a, another five minutes. We did, we talked. Um, I can stop. People are listening and they're like, when are these guys going to stop? No, they're... No. No? no? Okay. <laughs> that is another... That's, that's an entirely other podcast, so we really need to talk about that yeah, some more. Yeah, we need to find out. Because, so, all right. So, um, again, have a great weekend. Um, kids, don't stress next week. It'll, it, sure. It's going to be fine. It's going to be okay. And parents don't stress. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's going to be good. Don't worry about it. Um, okay. All right. So until next week, I'm Dr. Bernie. Dr. Richard. Have a great weekend, and um, we'll see you next week. It's always good. Thank you.